Our scripture reading comes from Psalm 51, 7 through 13 this morning. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 2, and then verses 6 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Amen. This morning we light the third uh, candle, which is the joy candle, which is a good morning. We could talk about joy today. That's always nice. Uh, better than, I don't know, sermon on sorrow or something. Um, and as I was kind of reflecting on joy, you know, at, in the Bible, it goes deeper, but at its very basic sense, and I think our normal usage of the word, we think a lot about happiness. We think a lot about um, kind of happy things. So, so think back for a second, if you will, uh, into your own life, and I want you to think back to some of your earliest happy memories. And earliest, you know, some of us have really early things that maybe were hard, but think of, try to think of something that was that was joyful, an early, uh, happy memory. Now, what I think is uh, amazing is that for, for many of us, especially if we grew up uh, here in the United States, we, we often think of Christmas morning. Anyone else think of Christmas morning? A few of us, right? Christmas morning is great. There's a lot of fun stuff that happens. In case you didn't know, uh, Christmas morning is a great, especially when you're a little kid. Oh, it is awesome. We have little kids at home, and our kids are like the perfect age to like watch kids do Christmas morning. Um, and, and there's just so much excitement, and there's that smell of you know, peppermint and, and cinnamon in the air, and maybe, maybe your uh, parents are making some special food that you only kind of eat once a year, and uh, there's the Christmas tree, and as a kid, you're pretty aware of what's underneath the tree, right? Uh, you've seen maybe these, these boxes pile up in the last few weeks, and uh, you're stuck with this sense of anticipation, this sense of wonder, 
uh, as you look and the excitement and the joy. And, you know, I think maybe one of the only things, and I've heard this from people, that, that is better than doing Christmas morning yourself as a little kid uh, is watching your grandkids do Christmas morning. Does anyone watch their grandkids do Christmas morning? I am jealous of you. That just sounds wonderful. I mean, as a parent, I mean, it's good. Uh, but there's a lot of work to Christmas morning. But as a grandparent, oh, that just sounds sweet. What a good deal that is. Uh, because these young ones, they're so excited. They're so full of life, and you just see them bouncing around with kind of bubbly joy. Uh, and, and maybe they're... Uh, even kind of trying to get into stuff and trying to look into one bag. You know, I don't know how you were as a kid. Uh, but trying to see in there if you could kind of see what it was or shake it. And you're like, I think that might be Legos or something. Uh, Legos is a pretty obvious noise. Uh, you got to like buffer that. Um, but it's just fun and it's a fun time. So uh, I think that's kind of commonly how we use the word joy. Uh, as, as Americans, we talk about just having a good time when, when circumstances are really good and then everything lines up perfectly and then, then we experience this level of happiness. We experience this level of uh, kind of an uplifted uh, spirit and of course that is there uh, in the Bible but we're going to look uh, kind of Old Testament and New Testament and see not just places where we find joy but places uh, that we can find joy and then also see what is bringing joy. What, what are people leaning on? What, what is bringing uh, people this happiness. So we are in uh, the third week of this sermon series called Light in the Darkness. And really each week you could probably replace that word light uh, with the theme for the week. So today we're going to talk about what it looks like to have joy uh, in the darkness. What does it look like to still be people of joy uh, when it's not Christmas morning and you're not a little kid and you're not full of that bubbly energy? Uh, but life has been real and raw and, and hard, and what does it look like to still be people of joy uh, into the world? And, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says this. He says, I have come into the world as a light, that no one who believes in me should stay in dark. Now that is good news. Let me read it again. I have come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So my prayer uh, this Christmas time would be that we could fix our eyes on Jesus as, as the light of Christ and that no matter how dark the world can feel, around us that we would be able to fix our eyes on him. Uh, so each week we're focusing on the different words that correlate with the Advent uh, wreath. So first week was hope, and then peace, and then today is joy, and then we will do love uh, next week. So we all kind of know this word joy. Uh, we all kind of understand it, I think, a little more than some of these other words that can be a little more mysterious. Now, what is hope? That's kind of a little harder to define. Joy is a little obvious, maybe. It's this, this idea of happiness, this idea of, of kind of an uplifted spirit. And, uh, you know, when, when you see it like a little puppy, you, that feeling that you have. Uh, when you see 
the little puppy and he's running around, or, or when you're, you're with a baby and they laugh for the very first time, which comes right at the right time. Um, I don't know if, if you've been around babies much recently, but it's right about the time where they start laughing and smiling. It's when you need them to start laughing and smiling. Uh, they're starting to drive you nuts. You're, you're worn a little thin, and then they smile at you, and you're like, okay, I can do this longer. Okay, okay we can keep doing this. All right, now, now they're finally smiling. It's that feeling inside, and, and you know, like, like English, we have a lot of words for this. We have happiness, and, and joyful, and cheerful, and glad, and, and all these things. And the, the biblical languages are the same, so I'm not going to go through each kind of Hebrew and Greek word that correlates, but there's just many words that they would use to kind of describe this feeling. Um, you know, what's, what's interesting, though, is that what we find in the Bible is, is joy is not often tied to the circumstances of life. It's not, it's not always tied in the Bible to, to everything is going well, and therefore I experience joy. It's more like I am a joyful person. I am a person of, of hope. I'm a person of, of love in the world, and I'm experiencing this joy. Therefore, I can go through whatever life sends my way. It kind of flips it uh, the other way. So we see a lot about uh, joy even in difficult circumstances. Everything is going wrong but you're still a person of joy. I don't know, have you ever met anyone like that? I kind of think there's, there's certain people, at least in my memory, there's certain people that stand out, that, that somehow seem to have the superhuman ability, that, that anything can be going on in their life, but yet they're, they're a joyful person. And you just kind of want to like tap some of that and be like, can I just have a little bit of that uh, into my own life? And... Um, so we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit about how are they like that? What is their, what is their secret ability? What is their uh, secret sauce, uh, if you will? How are they living life in such a way that they can be joyful and, and it doesn't have anything to do uh, with the circumstances of life? You know, as, as we look at the Bible, and particularly into the Old Testament now, there uh, I think it's helpful to look at what gives people some joy. Um, and right away in the beginning of the Bible, you don't have to read very far, and you hear God say that, that this creation that he made and, and all of it, that it was very good. So it should come really as no surprise that as we read further into the Old Testament that a lot of things out in creation, a lot of things out in the world seem to give people joy. Uh, and we see that in the Bible, and that's true in our own world, right? We can we can uh, go out in nature and experience some joy, maybe some fresh snow uh, on the trees or uh, looking at a beautiful scenery like a mountain or lake or ocean. You know, we can experience joy, and we see this again in the Old Testament too. So a few examples, uh, Psalm 65, uh, we hear about God blessing a good harvest. Uh, and that God's blessing can be in an abundant flock, meaning uh, sheep or, or some kind of livestock, an abundant flock on the hillsides, that, that God's people uh, have great joy in that. So just kind of the, the main things of life. They, they're taking joy in, in the walking through their fields, and, and it's getting ready for harvest time, and, and the, it 
the plants grew well. And they're able to look around and they take joy in that. Or they can see their sheep on the hillside and God has blessed them and they take joy. In Jeremiah 33, verse 11, we hear the joy of people that go to a wedding feast. And here there's this wedding happening and they come and they take great joy in the wedding. Proverbs 23 talks about people's joy that they find when they spend time with their children. That's in the Bible. Because <laughs> these are regular people, like you and me. These are people that are experiencing the life around them, like, like we are, uh, and they're taking joy in some of the good things uh, that this world has to offer. But we also don't have to read very far, we don't have to live very long before we realize that our life is not some kind of endless joy fest. That's, that's, that, that's not the only experience we have in the world. We don't just experience joy unending and then, uh, and then that's it. Uh, that as we go through life and as we uh, experience life, that, that often joy seems to run out and we feel uh, the experiences of this corrupted world, a world that is full of sin, and full of the results of sin, and, and we can see it all around us, and we can feel it and, it, and it affects us. But here's where biblical joy uh, gets a little unique. And if, and if you're going to jot anything down today, this would be a good sentence. Here's where biblical joy gets a little unique. It's actually more about an attitude that God's people adopt. Not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and in God's promises. So biblical joy actually has, has very little to do with circumstances, um, and it has more to do with God's love and God's promises. Let me say that again. Joy in the Bible is an attitude that God's people adopt. Not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and in God's promises. That's the secret that those people have. You know, those people you thought of earlier? That's the secret, is they're not looking at the world around them to decide if they're going to have joy or not. They're looking at the one thing that will never change. They're able to look at God, look at his promises, look at who he is, look at uh, his son that he sent right to where we are, and able to focus on that and have joy regardless of what's going on around them. There's this theme uh, in the Old Testament, and it goes into the New Testament, and I find it really refreshing. Uh, but I think we, I mean, no fault of anyone, but we don't talk about it a ton in church, but it's really powerful. And here's what it is. God's people often experience joy in the wilderness. Joy in the wilderness of life. We see it over and over again through the Bible, and it, it goes all the way back to this. So, uh, when the Israelite people were slaves in Egypt, you know, Moses comes, you, you know the story, and, and they go off into freedom, and the next place they find themselves is in the wilderness. They're in the desert, um, and 
This is not a hospitable place, but we are told that they send up phrases of great joy in that moment. They're not slaves in Egypt anymore, so that's good news, but they're not in the promised land yet either. And why I find this so refreshing is that that's often where we live our lives. We're somewhere in between. And how do we react to the world around us when we're somewhere in between those two things? We're kind of in this wilderness space. Not everything's perfect, but not everything's terrible. But here we read that God's people send up uh, cries of joy, it says, in the wilderness. So the wilderness in the Bible, it's this dangerous place. It's often full of of dangerous wildlife, and um, if you get outside of cities, especially in the ancient world, it was very common for criminals to be uh, kind of banded together uh, in these rural and remote places and waiting to to attack the vulnerable. Uh, So it was a place that was a very vulnerable place, and, and just the nature of the wilderness itself is that the heat is often intense, and the dryness is intense, and and you're just kind of out there. So the question becomes, how do we live our lives when we're in these places? I like to kind of think of the opposite sometimes. It it kind of clears it up in my head. So if showing someone hospitality is, is inviting them into your house, giving them the best chair to sit down on, making sure that they feel comfortable, maybe offering a nice glass of water as they sit there, then the wilderness in the Bible is truly the opposite of that. It is the harshest of all environments. It is uh, an environment that, that is actually slowly attacking and slowly killing the person just by them being there. I hope you don't find that... Uh, too familiar sounding right now, but I also know that many of us, as as we enter into Christmas, we don't do so going from mountaintop to mountaintop. We don't just kind of skip from mountaintops all the way in, and then all of a sudden Christmas, and we're like, oh, this is wonderful. Life has always been wonderful. Uh, This is such a wonderful time of year, and we sing happy songs, and that's good, but (laughs) often we don't get there by skipping the valleys. We don't get there by skipping over the wilderness. We go right through it. But what is so beautiful in the Bible is this idea of having joy in those moments. Being people of joy in the wilderness. People that are somewhere in between. Biblical joy is this attitude that God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, not because life is always perfect, not because everything is going smooth, but because of who God is, because of his love, because of his promises. When Jesus was born, it was read for us earlier, he was ushered in Uh, by the angels, and they said that it was good news that brings great joy. 
good news that brings great joy. Jesus entered into this hurting and this broken world with a message of good news. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let me say that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I don't know if you heard it, but there's an always in there. It's not rejoice in the Lord when things are going well. It's not rejoice in the Lord uh, when everything's going your way uh, and it seems like the world is a perfect place. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then uh, this is important when we look at the Bible. When it's repeated twice, you're supposed to listen to it. You're supposed to listen to all of it. But the Bible, Bible study 101. If they say it twice, they really mean it. And he says it again. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I tell you, rejoice. And then it goes on. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. That's the answer. How can we rejoice in the Lord always? How can you always rejoice in the Lord? That seems impossible. It doesn't seem like something that we can do, and we certainly can't on our own. But what, how are we supposed to do this, God? And then we get the final line that we rejoice because the Lord is near. God is near to us. When they were in the wilderness, when they were wandering uh, through the wilderness, God wasn't waiting in the promised land for them to show up someday. He was with them. Right there in the midst of the wilderness. He brought them out of Egypt. and He brought them through the wilderness, but he didn't abandon them there and say, okay, when you get to the promised land, I'll, I'll see you in, I don't know, five to ten business days. <laughs> And then how about we meet up in the promised land, and it'll be nice. And it'll be flowing with milk and honey, and it's going to be beautiful. Come meet me there. No, the Lord is near when times are hard. When we're going through the difficulties of life, the Lord is near. The Lord is near to us uh, Plural, the Lord is near to us as a community, as, as a church body, but the Lord is also near to you. And both of those are so important for us to realize in our, in our walks with God. That, that this, is not a, this is not a thing that just applies to the person sitting next to you. Sometimes that's easier to see. Oh yeah, when the person sitting next to you is going through a hard time, you're like, yeah, God is near you. That's great. We all agree. God is near this person. 
that applies to you too. The Lord is near. I mentioned earlier that we have little kids. Um, and I don't know, have you ever seen a little kid play at the beach? Remember, like real little. I'm talking like this little. And they walk into those waves. How well do they do? They're awful at it. I think we can be honest about that. They're really bad at standing in the waves. If they just get knocked over the tiniest little wave, little kid walks out there, little wave comes, knocked right on their butt. They try to stand up, ground is mushy. None of it works, knocks down again. They need someone to come up and, and save them and rescue them. I think that's a lot of us in this world. We are not leaning on something bigger than ourselves. We're not leaning on God's promises. And the, the waves of this world, they'll knock you right on your butt. And then they'll knock you down again. And you'll try to stand up, and the ground will be mushy. And you can't get your footing. But the Lord is near to his people. He draws near to them. He's right there. You're not alone. You're not alone in these waves that, that keep coming. That is one of the beautiful promises of Christmas. That, that God is not waiting a mile away down the beach. Saying, well, someday when you get to me, then I'll be near to you. He's right there, ready to pick you up. I've come to appreciate this verse in 2 Corinthians. Uh, more and more over the years, this is 2 Corinthians um, chapter 6, verse 10. Um, and I'll, I'll shorten it for you, but Paul describes himself as being both full of sorrow but yet rejoicing. And it didn't make sense to me for a while. Uh, I think kind of like all of us, we kind of looked at him like he's full of sorrow, then there's no more room. Right? Isn't that what full means? If you're full of sorrow, but then how is he rejoicing? And, and the key is, I, I, he's, he's experiencing all of it. That being full of sorrow has nothing to do with if he's rejoicing or not. It's like a side conversation. It's important, but that, that's over here. I'm full of sorrow, but I'm rejoicing because of who God is. Because of God's faithfulness. I think that's what biblical joy is really about. It's about being able to look past uh, this expectation of this little kid Christmas morning kind of experience and say, well, when I experience that again, then I'll be a joyful person. And be able to say, I will be a joyful person because of who God is. Because of who my God is, because I can lean on him during hard times. John 16, 33. 
very popular words of Jesus. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So people of God, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus said so. In this world you will have trouble, but Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has overcome the world. With all of its hurts and its pains, he has overcome it all. So know this, in trusting him and his power and his might and his ability, you can have joy even in the midst of the wilderness. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean you should feel guilty if you don't. You heard that today. Please don't listen to it. (laughs) But it does mean that there's hope. That no matter what you're going through, that our, our Lord is near. That he's with you. That he is not far away. And even in the midst of this, you can be a person of joy. You just lean on him and rely on him.